You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. Hey guys, hope that you are doing well uh, this morning, this evening, this afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. We are in part two of our series entitled With Us. And while this isn't necessarily a Christmas series, it is based off of or anchored to a verse in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, which is a part of the traditional Christmas story. It says this, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so with us is this short series that we've been in. Last week, we talked about God being with us in the storms. One of the things that we highlighted was the fact that just because a storm is present doesn't mean that God isn't. If you were unable to listen to that, that is part one of the podcast. You can check that out and come back and listen to this part. They also do stand alone as well. Last week, we also touched on the fact that, that God is always present. And I want to set that as, as a foundational truth, that there is not a season where God is not present. But it's important that we hone in and, and when we look at specific seasons and say, yeah, like God is present always, but I need to be reminded that he's present in this specific type of circumstance or this specific type of season. And this week, I want to I want to start by looking at a passage found in the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalm chapter 130 verses 5 through 6 says this. It says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than a watchman waits for the morning, more than a watchman waits for the morning. The first point this week is kind of the entire concept of this week's sermon. And it's this is that God is with us in the waiting. God is with us in the waiting. I do not think that waiting is something that most of us like to do in really any capacity whatsoever. We talk about immediate gratification all the time, and it applies to our daily lives. It applies to our human relationships. It also applies to our relationship with Jesus that we want things now. Um, I'm recording this podcast on December 8th. Yesterday, December 7th, Amazon and a bunch of its its uh, technology kind of went down and there were a ton of websites that weren't really working up to, to snuff and, and uh, Amazon itself wasn't working great and there's just like a ton of stuff going on and I was like, I never thought that I would care. But Amazon is this company that has, in our daily lives, like really, really perpetuated and highlighted the fact that we love immediate gratification, like prime delivery. Like I can have something in two days. If you live in a big city, like they'll literally deliver things with drones to your front door. Like immediate gratification is present in our consumerism, our relationships, both horizontal and vertical with Jesus. And if we're not careful, that can become a mentality that we live in instead of being people who have patience or who appreciate waiting seasons. I think what's really important for us is to understand that the seasons of seasons of waiting will be so much more bearable when we understand that God is still present in those seasons. I don't know if it's it's the time of year like we're we're towards the the end of the year and also like young adults like stage of life. It's just a combination of all of this, but I've had so many conversations over the last two or three weeks with people who attend our ministry that say Something along the lines of, oh, I thought by now I would be whatever. Or they would say something that's along the lines of, this was supposed to be the year. Like, this was supposed to be the year that this happened. 
And I think it's totally natural to be in those places, but I want all of us to look at ourselves and ask a question. And the question would be this, am I, are we willing to worship in the waiting? Am I willing to worship in the waiting? For many of us, it's really easy for us to look at where we thought that we would be and and we become frustrated and it isn't just what we imagined. It's just not quite what we imagined. But if we're honest, can we say that we took advantage of the waiting season or did we just wait? We have the opportunity to worship in our waiting. And that can mean several different things. It can mean praising God for what he has already done. Like you're listening to this, you have the capacity to listen to a podcast, you have the capacity to to dive into your relationship with Jesus, you have the capacity, and I don't know where your life was or has been up to this point, but what I do know is that you are alive, and you are moving, and you made it to a new day, and there are things to worship God about in the fact that you have the ability to do what you do today. We need to be people who are worshiping Jesus for what he has already done, but also praising God for what he will eventually do. That we believe that he is who he said he is and will do what he said he is going to do. Another way that we worship in our waiting is is using our time wisely right now so that when that thing that we're waiting for happens, we're ready for it. We are people who are ready for that promise that God has placed on our lives. I truly believe this, that that Jesus uses waiting seasons as growing seasons. Unquestionably, God has made promises over your life. But there's a process to our promises. Before we can inherit what we are waiting for, we have to step into the process that God is calling us toward. I think about my own life. I knew from the time that I was 16 years old that I wanted to be in vocational ministry. I, I felt a call to the ministry. I was at summer camp. I remember exactly where I was standing. It was at the campground that we just started doing camps at again here at Faith Chapel. Like I remember standing in the chapel and getting my call to ministry at 16 years old and being like, that's what I want to do. And I'm doing ministry now, but I got here in a really roundabout way, not the way that I probably could have gotten here. And every delay in the promise that God had placed on my life wasn't due to him. It was due to me. It was due to my unwillingness to step into the process of the promise. Things were too hard. Things looked too complicated. I started to question my own ability and my own wants and all of those different things. Those were moments where I questioned whether or not I was willing to step into the process of my promise. Sometimes it would be really, really nice if things just fell into our laps, but that's not how life works. We have to be willing to step into the process. James chapter five, verse seven, be patient brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. The rain is coming. The promise is coming. God will do what he said he is going to do. But we have to till the ground and plant the seeds. Because if we do not till the ground and we don't plant the seeds, then when the rain comes, it's not going to do anything. There's not going to be fruit to harvest if we don't do the preparation work, the stepping into the process of the promise. On the front end, there is a process to the promise and we have to be willing to accept that. 
Worshiping in our waiting is not easy to do, but it can be easier when we understand this next truth. And that is this, is that God is working while we are waiting. It's important that we hold two things in tension as we look at seasons of waiting. We cannot be lazy in our seasons of waiting. And on the other hand, we cannot pretend like we are going to work our way into the promises of God. This isn't about effort. This isn't about striving. But this also isn't about passivity and and just being lazy and being like, well, I'm just waiting for God to do what he's going to do. Like we have to find a balance and we have to hold those two things in tension that we cannot be passive and we cannot wait but we also cannot try to work our way into the promises of God. Sometimes the calling is the waiting. Sometimes the direction that God is giving us is to be still. Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. It's a verse that my wife Larissa pointed out to me years ago, and I just completely sniped it because it's something that I've held on to for probably five or six years now as, as an anchor verse in my life. And it simply says this, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. This, this is Moses speaking to the nation of Israel after they have left Egypt and they're standing on the bank of the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his army are bearing down on them. They're about to be murdered and they've got this ocean, this sea on the other side of them. They're like, we have nowhere to go. We're trapped. We are finished. And they're starting to panic. And Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The only thing that Moses had to do is take a stick, a staff, raise it in the air and place it in the ground. And God did the rest of the work. He split the sea in two and the, the Israelites walk through unharmed. What is the still small thing that you and I can do in the midst of our waiting where we just raise that staff, we raise that small inconsequential thing and we place it where God has asked us to place it. We do that small thing, that still small thing that God has asked us to do and then we get to watch him do the actual work. Worshiping God in our waiting is often attached to our willingness to trust that God has our circumstances under control. So are, are we willing to be still instead of trying to will our lives into where we want them to be? Are we willing to be still and trust that God has our circumstances under control? So there's this tension, right? We cannot just be people who sit around hoping that God makes things happen, but we also can't be doing so much that we fail to let God do the work that he is going to do in and through us. It will take intentional effort on our part to place ourselves in a frame of mind that allows our waiting seasons to be effective seasons. It's going to come down to this frame of mind, this, this idea, and it is this, the frame of mind of expectant waiting. Expectant waiting. And here's what I mean. If we understand that God is with us in the waiting, are we willing to turn toward him and have holy expectation in that waiting season. When we are right in the midst of the waiting, are we willing to say, God, I have expectancy that you are doing a work in me and for me while I'm right smack dab in the middle of this waiting season, not before the waiting season, not after the waiting season, but right in the middle of the waiting season. The Bible's filled with stories of people who have to wait for their promise David is anointed to be king, but he has to wait 15 years before he takes the throne. 
the nation of Israel, they have to wait for 40 years. After they cross that sea, they have to wait for 40 years before they get to enter the promised land. Think about somebody like Abraham and Sarah who are promised a son, and then they have to wait 25 years for their son Isaac to be born. The story of Joseph, he waits in a pit, and then he waits in a prison, and then he waits in a palace for God to make all the promises about his life come true. Shockingly, we are not the first people to have to wait. So why do we act like we are? Why do we feel like a couple years or a couple months or even a couple days is such a hard ask? Because we look at waiting as something to be done passively instead of expectantly. Because we just think waiting is waiting instead of understanding that there's value and there's effectiveness and there's growth to be had in the middle of the waiting. Can I encourage you this week that that God's promises are already true of you? God's promises are already true of your life. They will come to fruition. They will become reality Stay the course. Be faithful. His timing is not our timing, but we just have to be expectant in our waiting and say, God is going to do something. I know that he is. And it might be tomorrow. It might be the next day. It might be five years down the road. It might be 40 years down the road. But when God makes a promise, he holds to it. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9 But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's patient with you. He's patient with me. It's not about us being patient with him. It's about him being patient with us. What what if we stopped asking why God hasn't fulfilled the promise and we started asking if we were ready to receive it? Maybe God's just patiently waiting for us to be ready to receive the promise that he's had for us from the beginning of our lives. God is a perfect father. He wants nothing more than for us to be ready for his blessings and appointments and promises, but a perfect father doesn't give what his child wants before they are ready. I am not a perfect father, but I am a father who loves his kids a lot. The other day we were driving home from church and uh, I had my son Maddox, who's eight, my daughter Zara, who's seven. I had them with me. And my car, the, the gas light came on, so we stopped at a gas station. We filled up. Maddox, my eight-year-old, is he's old enough to kind of understand money. And um, I'm out filling up the car, and he's watching the gas pump. And I get back in the car, and he's like, Dad, gas is expensive. And I was like, yeah, yeah, gas is expensive. And you're going to have to, like, realize that, like, when you get a car someday. And even though that's probably, like, eight years away, we started this conversation of him driving. And I was like, Part of me is just like absolutely terrified of just the concept of my son driving. But I'm also like really excited about it because I remember being 16 and having a car. And when I was young, like we could get your driver's license at 14. I had my driver's license at 14, which I'm like, it's insane. I had a 1980 Mercury Grand Marquis. It was an absolute boat. It barely fit in the, on the, in the road. And I was a danger. I was a danger. And so like part of me is like, if he inherited my driving from when I was a teenager, um, look out world. But anyway, 
we had this conversation about this. And I'm so excited for Maddox's first ride. Like, I can't wait to watch him drive away for the first time and just be, like, such a boss in, in his car and, like, taking his friends to lunch. Like, I just can't wait. Like, I just I, – I'm so excited for what he's excited about. I, I can't wait to give him that gift. But I also understand this. I would not put my 8-year-old son behind the wheel of a car right now and be like, all right, good luck. You can do this. Like, it would be a danger to him. It would be a danger to the world around him. I think that oftentimes we forget that God looks at us and it's it's similar to that, that, that he has promises and, and appointments and, and, and direction and all of these things. But he's like, I can't put you behind the wheel of that promise yet because it would be dangerous if I gave that to you now. It's too early for me to give that to you now. Or, or it's going to be dangerous to the people around you if you step into that promise right now instead of waiting until you're actually ready. So... Are we ready? Are we ready? It's not about asking why God hasn't fulfilled the promise in our life. It's asking ourselves if we're actually ready to receive the promise and can we actually do what the things that God has asked us to do with that promise at the time that he decides to hand it to us. God is not withholding from you. He is holding on for you. Because he wants your happiness and he wants your success and he wants your effectiveness. But he also knows that if he just gave promises to people when they wanted the promise that the kingdom wouldn't grow and that we would not flourish. And he wants to see us flourish. And he wants the entire world to know that his love and the grace and the mercy of him. God is not withholding from you. He's holding on for you. He's not absent in your waiting. He's not absent in my waiting. He's right here. He's right here in the middle of it, waiting on us to appreciate the waiting, to grow from the waiting, and to understand that waiting seasons can without a doubt be growing seasons. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.